Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a very seemingly simple but I think really important distinction between two mindsets that people use to make investment decisions when it comes to growing their law firm. So uh, I want to bring this all the way back to a time in my life when I was working with my first sales manager ever. And he brought this point up to say, never use the word cost when it comes to getting to the end of the presentation, you always want to use the word investment. And there's actually a great piece of advice for anyone who's going to be doing a consultation with a client. I recommend people do the same, but it really boils down to a mindset, right? And I am not so naive to believe that just saying something is a cost versus an investment is going to change somebody's mindset entirely, but there's a glimmer of something really important there that I just want to unpack. And where we're getting towards in the end of this is that at the end of the day, um, you're actually less likely to get a return on marketing or hire or any sort of investment into systems for growing your law firm when you have one of these mindsets versus one of the other. So, but before we get started on that, let's just kind of unpack the terms and what they mean, right? Okay, so starting with a cost. A cost is something generally that you're going to accept, but you try to minimize. So think gas for your car, Think electricity, think laundry detergent, something like that. Anything that ends up becoming a cost is a commodity, essentially something that's totally interchangeable with anything else like it, right? And we actually have regulations in place like antitrust to make sure that people have options on the more important utilities that come to, we're talking about commodities like electricity and that kind of thing. Now, on the flip side, if we're looking at an investment, an investment is something that you have the privilege of taking advantage of that you're going to try to maximize. So think real estate, think stock portfolios, think bank accounts. These are things that have different values and the value will float on the free market and they're subject to change according to what that value ends up being. And whether this is directly like the price of a stock or indirectly like the price of a service that will not be able to stay high for long if no one's buying it the value is going to be a lot more fluid and a lot more changing. And just to make things a little bit more complicated, there are also you know, kind of a spectrum of these things, right? So if we take on one end the pure commodity side of things, the pure cost side of things, uh, the electricity that you pay for at your home or office is a pure commodity because you can charge your phone on power from company A or company B. Um, and I also listed laundry detergent as another thing that would be kind of considered a cost. But at the end of the day, it's actually, I'd, I'd consider it a commodity, but it's less of a commodity. You might not necessarily get the same outcome from laundry detergent brand A versus laundry detergent brand B. At the end of the day, your clothes are both going to be clean, but there's some actual differences in how those things will perform. And to make things even weirder, you have as a business owner or somebody who's involved in running a business, the strange intermingling of business expenses and personal expenses, especially if you're running a smaller law firm. So the amount of power that you have for your office might be competing with the amount of money that you put in your retirement account. It's it's very multidimensional. And there's no absolute truth to these things as well. Um, you have the ultimate say in how you value these different things. There's no you know Wikipedia entry where you can say, oh, is this classified as a cost versus an investment? It's ultimately something that you're just determining on your own. Although ultimately your success or failure in business will be an indication of how close your judgment reflected reality. And again, given a long enough timeline, right? And 
anyway, so we'll kind of start from there, and, and I'm going to start with some some kind of ridiculous counterfactuals to pick out. So we'll start with some crazy ones. So let's say hypothetically there was a gas station in your town that charged thirty dollars per gallon for regular gasoline. And again, I don't really drive and live in the city, but I know it's usually between two or three dollars. So even if you really really loved your car there probably wouldn't be a good idea paying 10 times as much as you normally pay for gas. You're paying literally 10 times for something that is a commodity, and you're probably not going to be left with much value in that um, because it is truly exchangeable. And all you're really going to have is a larger hole in your checking account when you end up playing that out. Now, flipping that, let's take a look at the investment side. Uh, I know it's the end of the year. A lot of people are determining, you know, especially small business owners, what you can put away into your retirement accounts and maximize tax benefits and all that stuff. So it's kind of top of mind. But, um, you know, without making this a podcast on personal finance, you know, everyone knows the market's probably going to go up somewhere in the ballpark of five to 10 percent most years. Right. So um, pop quiz for the estate attorneys out there. What does the situation look like at age 65 for somebody who's been maximizing their contribution to their retirement accounts versus somebody who's been putting in the bare minimum or not putting anything in their retirement accounts? So basically, in the you know, pop <laughs> answer to the pop quizzes, they're not going to have a lot by the time they want to retire. So if you want to minimize an investment, again, maximizing a cost, huge mistake. Minimizing investment, also an equally bad mistake, but in a different direction. But what do we do about the stuff that ends up being in the middle? And this is the stuff that it's kind of at your discretion to categorize as a cost or an investment. And this is where this gets really interesting, and in my opinion, where the fun starts, right? So I'm going to spoil the ending and tell you that I believe that treating the money that you spend on growing your firm as a cost and not an investment is setting you up to lose, right? Uh, marketing is an obvious example that I can probably speak to the best, but this also includes hiring people for your firm, investing in coaching or training, getting technology and, and getting your systems boiled down uh, as well, right? And I want to use uh, kind of an example, and this is just kind of a weird metaphor, but it's a movie I really enjoyed growing up, Enemy at the Gates, which isn't really a great movie to be honest, but it has some, some interesting historical precedent in the Battle of Stalingrad between Russia and uh, Germany in World War II. So there's this crazy scene right in the beginning, and I kind of consider it like a foil to the beach landing and Saving Private Ryan. But the main character who's played by Jude Law, him and his team have to go rush an enemy machine gun. Uh, with a squad. So the guy's handing out the guns and basically they end up giving every other person a rifle and everyone gets ammo. So the instructions are when the guy in front of you dies because he will, you take his the dead guy's rifle and you, you load the, the ammo and you, you end up continuing to rush the position. So it sounds really brutal and it's because it was pretty brutal. But if you actually look up the numbers, the estimate is that over a million Russian soldiers died in the Battle of Stalingrad which is more than twice the amount of U.S. soldiers that were killed in the entire war, Pacific theater, Western Front, all that stuff, right? And ultimately, we're bringing this back to the analogy of growing a law firm, is that the Russian army was under-resourced. They didn't have the proper resources, and that's how we're going to connect this back to it. So again, you're not going to necessarily get killed if you're under-resourced, but you're going to have a much harder time and the casualties in this case aren't going to be your loss of life or loss of soldiers, but it's going to be your time and energy, your staff's time and energy, and ultimately the client experience that's going to end up kind of bearing that cost, right? So uh, I want to go through a marketing example just because it's easy and we have some pretty simple numbers. And this is super, super brass tax example um, that we just happen to have a lot of conversion numbers on, which is bankruptcy leads, right? So bankruptcy is a totally reactive market. The type of person that you're going to get, uh, whether they type in bankruptcy and line in the site that goes to NOLO, isn't that much different than a person who you're going to get if you wanted to generate on your own on Google AdWords. 
Um, I know basically NOLA leads are usually in the ballpark of about $25 per lead and generating your own leads over AdWords are going to be about 50. The major difference is that the NOLA leads will go to five attorneys and the AdWords lead is, is more or less yours to take advantage of. And again, this is pretty common knowledge. I'm pretty certain that NOLA advertises their leads is not exclusive. So no really crazy inside baseball here. So if we're taking the cost approach, the cost approach would say, hey, look, this is a cost, right? This is this is fungible. We want to minimize this. So let's go with the NOLO lead. The line item at the end of the week is going to be smaller. And what people may not realize is that the non-exclusivity means on you know lower, lower conversion rate, right? So even if you are the person to call first, which is something we've discussed on other episodes, they're already dealing with the competition, right? You calling first doesn't stop the other four attorneys from calling that person afterwards. There's a chance that the prospect gets overwhelmed. There's a chance that the prospect signs another attorney. And there's a chance that the prospect just gets so ticked off by this that they're going to just end up blocking their any unknown number that comes to their phone and you know look into an alternative like debt settlement or something like that, right? So overall, all this stuff kind of factors into the conversion rate on NOLA leads. And again, this is something that's pretty well known if you've done it, probably 5 to 10%. Big caveat, which we'll talk about, is that that's 5-10% if you tough it out, right? Which isn't a given. The investment approach would say, hey, look, this is an opportunity to grow my practice. So let's see what we can get if we throw a little bit more into this. What's that going to do from a return perspective? So instead of paying $25 for a non-exclusive lead, you're paying $50 for an exclusive lead. And wouldn't you know it, the numbers for those, and this is based on you know dozens and dozens of firms we work with, is probably a lot closer to 25% or, uh, or you know even a third for, for some of the firms that are stronger at this. And that's usually where it would end. I'm actually going to not get to the math right now, but first I want to go into what the subjective experience of people using each mindset is, right? So that 5 to 10% conversion rate on NOLA leads is going to be walking through a proverbial minefield of rejection, wasted lead credits, bad vibes pretty much every single day. The person investing in the exclusive lead is going to be getting a lot more people on the phone. Um, they're probably going to be a better mood because they haven't been hammered by four other attorneys. And they're actually more primed to move forward because they don't have four other attorneys calling them all hours of the day. They haven't heard pricing information from other people. They, they know that this isn't a, you know, it's not necessarily a competitive situation, although it is, but it's not at least competitive with the information that they submitted that one time. So it's more likely that the investor is ultimately going to get a return because they're putting in the right expectations, right? And they're expecting it to become a return. And as a result, even though this is completely behind the scenes, people usually just look at the costs. That person only has to talk to four people to close a deal, while the person that has taken the cost mentality has to talk to 20, right? And this kind of brings me to, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And super importantly, the person who has invested into this actually wants it to work out more. And this is something that I haven't heard many people talk about. But the reality is when you're going into something with a cost mentality, you're looking to minimize costs. The cost mentality person, you know, maybe they got hyped up because they saw a cool ad. Maybe uh, their spouse was complaining about why they don't take more vacations. They are most likely going into this begrudgingly, but ultimately they don't want to keep spending that money, right? So in addition to playing a harder game, they have a lower threshold to tap out and call it quits. So are you starting to see kind of how the mindset becomes important beyond the numbers at this point, right? And this is what I used to start off when was going this, and it's very easy to look at these dry numbers. And this is the stupid, obvious stuff in my opinion. But if you're doing the math, the cost per case on the NOLA leads in this example is about 500, and the cost per leads for the exclusive leads is about 200. But in reality, I think it's kind of a moot point because it's very rare that people will get there for the reasons that I just mentioned. You're not going to make it to it if you don't have the right mindset going into this and you're playing a harder game. 
So uh, that kind of brings me to the next point and the title of the episode, which is your first return on investment. So obviously I can talk about this stuff and bring in examples and hypotheticals until I'm blue in the face. But at the end of the day, firsthand experience is irrefutable, right? It's extremely rare to see somebody who's made marketing a profitable investment once that's going to go back to looking at it as a cost, unless something crazy happens like, you know, people who are advertising the Yellow Pages 20 years ago and just haven't been able to figure it out since. It's very, very rare to make an investment and then going back to looking at it as a cost. And as you can see from the example, once you're looking at it as an investment, not only are you going to be making the better choices, but you're actually going to have the mindset to make it succeed because you know it's possible, right? There's always the lingering thought in the back of the person who has the cost mindset going into these things is, I don't understand how anyone makes this work. And again, obviously the fact that industries like marketing and hiring and coaching and all this kind of stuff exists are, in my opinion, a testament to the fact that it does. If anyone's doing it, you can't do it. But there's always the lingering doubt until you've made it work for yourself that like, what if this is all bogus, right? So anyways, it's it's kind of a catch-22, isn't it, right? So let's focus on the people that haven't had their success yet, which I think is a really important thing to focus on. So I have a theory on this. And Every attorney knows that a person is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. But my postulate will be that everything is a cost until it's proven to have a return, right? So if you're looking at this from a place of complete rationality, which, you know, it's kind of the tendency for a lot of the attorneys that we speak to, you never actually invest in something that's unproven. And then it would just be this, you know, hypothetical stalemate where no one would advertise ever. But to extend the metaphor, um, you would never hire somebody or invest in technology or pay for expert help either. So basically, if you're waiting for irrefutable proof, you're just never going to move forward. Um, this is actually something that was really interesting too. There's a famous study in psychology where they were able to take these split brain patients who weren't able to have emotion processed and they wanted to see what would happen. And the reality was people didn't actually make a decision. So there's actually um, the logical approach doesn't work out for you in the grand scheme of things a lot of the times. But anyways, uh, at some point, anyone that you see that's on a billboard or at top of Google or have an Instagram ad, you know, somebody had to take a jump and risk losing money. And I'm here to tell you that there's no way to not risk losing. So I think at the end of the day, the game for the person who hasn't had their first success yet is how to lose as little as possible to find out the wins. So this is a great quote from the book Great by Choice by Jim Collins, and he calls this strategy first bullets, then cannibals, right? So if you can get a small win first or minimize your downside risk, if it ends up not working out for you, then it's easier and less expensive to do a follow-on by investing now that you know that it's an investment and not a cost, right? So money is a super easy one to point to, but for the reasons I kind of outlined earlier, it could lead to you end up playing a harder game, like that bankruptcy attorney who's you know not understanding that they're playing a way harder game with the NOLO leads than the exclusive leads. And one of the ways that we've gotten around this at Case Fuel and be able to have the resources to play at high level is by instituting a guarantee, although not everyone does that. But another factor that I think is super important is time. And I really respect a lot of channels like SEO and content. We've had some fantastic guests on the podcast that do a great job of that, but... I generally recommend against that being your first air quotes bullet because it's going to take months, if not years, before you're going to start reaping the benefits from them. And the last thing I want to mention is that you get to choose what success is defined as, right? So cash in the bank is obviously the best indicator that a channel is working, but you also have to factor in that each channel has a learning curve, right? your first week of dealing with a new channel is generally not going to be the best as far as your side of the performance, which seems pretty logical to say out loud, but in practice, 
a lot of people are forming the opinions that will end up snowballing into that success or failure during that first week. So in lieu of you know having cash in the bank, you might want to consider taking a step backwards, right? So cash in the bank, obviously king. If you can get that closed by the end of your trial, that's fantastic. But you know, taking a step down, would you consider it a win if you had invoices that were out to clients, or you know, a calendar full of consultation calls, or even just good numbers on your ad click-through rate? It's totally up to you at the end of the day. But generally, the lower the bar, the more likely that you're going to have the gumption to stick through when it gets tough. Uh, and this is something that you're going to kind of see moving forward too. the people who've cracked that first channel. Part of why they're able to do it as an investment is they say, you know, I've been here before I've generated calls. I've gotten people from a consults when it was moving to, I don't know, referrals to something that's coming from Google AdWords or a seminar or something like that. I knew that was weird then. I know this is weird now, but I know if I can get the calls, I can get the clients. It's just a matter of cracking the code. And if you can have that mindset or borrow that mindset from somebody who's further down the path, ironically, it's actually going to make it easier for you to make it to that point down the path. So I will leave you with this. And this is something that we've talked about on previous episodes about the Matthew effect. And I really think it's a big factor, right? This mindset is a small hinge that swings a really, really big door on abundance versus scarcity in your practice. And the sooner you can get over this, the faster you can be accelerating. So in some ways, you know, obviously as an agency, we make money from people who are having more success with marketing they're already doing. But I I honestly consider some of the most important work that we do is getting people to that first return on investment, which is what we're able to do directly with our clients. But honestly, it's podcasts like this one that we can hopefully get other people into the win column, even if we're not directly influencing that, right? So I'll paraphrase an unattributed quote that uh, says, smart person learns from their experience, but a wise one learns from the experience of others, right? And I think really the adapter here is that if you can use other people's experience and intelligently plan to get your experience in a low risk way, then ultimately you're going to be the person who's in the win column at the end of the day. So if you have one thing to think on from this episode, think on that. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you guys next week for the Law Firm Growth Podcast, Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.